Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. I did not plan on having this person on the program today until I found out that literally a buddy of mine was going to become the new AD at IUPUI. And as I joked in the opening segment of the show, I never really quite sure what his job was before. Now I have a good idea. It's Luke Basso that joins us now. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm good, Greg. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Let's start with first things first. If you would, tell the listening audience how you have overcome looking like me and yet been (laughs) as successful as you have been doing whatever it is that you've done. Well, it's a suit and tie, right? I mean, that's what it is. Evil. Yes. I'm evil Greg Gregstraw because that's from the tie, so I get it. That's where it's come from. Well, the crazy thing is, is that, you know, I've rocked the beard for a better part of a year. I am now clean shaven. So <laughs> once again, I'm like Luke, if he really let himself go and, and didn't spend time uh, working out at this point. Uh, well, congratulations <laughs> uh, on this. Um, I, I did not know that potentially being a college AD was in the plans for you. How did, how did this all come about? You know, uh, first of all, IEPY is in a it's in a great location in a great city, and I've spent the better half of my career uh, working uh, to make the city of Indianapolis and the state of Indiana better. And when the opportunity was presented in front of me, uh, I decided to go for it. And seeing President Witten's uh, plan uh, for the transformation, getting to know Chancellor Klein. Um, and really going out and, and selling this Jags team and letting people know when they play and using it as a front door to the city of Indianapolis, it was just an opportunity I couldn't turn down. All right, so with that, you are obviously there. There is a unique transformation uh, that is it, it, is taking place. And for those that don't know, I had this spiel all prepared for 2003 when I was the voice of the Jaguars on radio. We were in the NCAA tournament. I explained to people there's no such thing as an IUPUI degree. You either get an IU degree or Purdue degree. It's always been kind of two separate campuses so to speak but they've been merged together athletically that is not going to be the case after this coming year it will be iu indianapolis so as best you can walk us through maybe kind of why that happened and and now what that means for you and this new job going forward yeah you know i I think it uh there's a lot of academic reasons why why it makes sense i mean you, you hit the nail on the head with the uh, you know, IU, Purdue, the the combination, and, you know, we've seen success in other places. So rolling out the IU Indianapolis, making it one one university, one team, competing under one banner, knowing it's it's IU Indy, and really giving a, a new identity to the to the downtown campus, uh, to our student-athletes, and making this the, the greatest experience we can for our student-athletes, uh, for, for our coaches, for our athletic office, and really the people of, of, of Indianapolis. I, I want this to be – I want people to, to fill the gnat, uh, the Carroll Stadium, the Coliseum, uh, the Jungle, and come out and support our student athletes and know when you're there you're supporting IU Indianapolis. Uh, you know, one more year IEPUI, as you mentioned, but we'll have a, a you know new logo, uh, a new gear, and and I'm just beyond excited to be able to do this in, in in my home city. You know, I've acclimated probably about 178 IUPUI polo shirts over the last 20 years. <laughs> do I have to get rid of all of those as of next June, Luke? 
Uh, the ones, yeah, the ones that don't, if the ones that just have the Jaguar on it, you're fine. Okay. Uh, but the ones say IEPY, we got we to gotta change those out for new ones. So coming to a third world country near you, I'll be donating half my attire uh, coming up uh, about 12 months from now. You know, it, obviously, with 16, 18 programs, I've, I've lost track of, of, of how many exactly athletic teams. I'm sure you don't have that uh, off the front. But for so many people, it is, how are you doing in football? Or in this case, how are you doing in men's basketball? And men's basketball was better this year than last year. There's still a long way to go to get back to where everybody wants this to be. I guess kind of your thoughts as, as to where the program is now and, and, and the steps forward from that Crenshaw team. Yeah, so 18 teams. I do have that. There you go. Um, look, Greg, and we, you know, we've known each other for a long time now. I wouldn't have taken this position if I didn't think we could win. And, uh, you know, we with, with the state of Indiana, with the history of basketball, there's no reason why IUPUI and IU Indianapolis can't compete. Matt's had a big week in the transfer portal, picking up two uh, two guys coming in that are going to be really good. Uh, you know, the, the team hasn't been where we want them to be, but I have confidence that when I come in working with, with Matt and his staff that we're going to get it to a level uh, that we're going to compete every year at the top of the Horizon League. That's why I'm here. And, you know, even and on the women's side, I mean, Kate Bruce and her staff have done a fantastic job. Um, you know, that, that's a program that continues to compete. And, and look, you, you're, you're a historian of Indiana, uh, Indiana sports. And in this state, with as much basketball talent as we come as we have coming through it, there's no reason why we can't be at the top of the Horizon League and get top quality kids from Indiana to come to IUPUI and win basketball games. And and that when I when I went through the process, that's what I told every coach. Uh, I, I'm here to win. Uh, I want. I, I I'm for sure they're all here to win. And that's the mentality we're going to have every day when I come into the athletic office. That what are we doing? to advance every program but to your point we have to advance the basketball teams and I, I know we have the right people in place to do that again Luke Basso he is the new athletic director at IUPUI one year from now that'll be IU Indianapolis joining us Greg Rakestraw in for JMV it's the good looking club here on 93.5 and, <laughs> and 107.5 the fan um, this has always been the job of the athletic director we're frankly a lot more open about it than say we used to be to me, I look at your job, and a lot of it is going to be fundraising to, to, to help, again, tr- try to revitalize programs or strengthen programs that have been really good. I, I guess just your thoughts as to just how big of a part of your job that is, Luke. Oh, I'm going to spend every day on fundraising and sponsorships. Um, and, you know, I hope that uh, we're embraced by, by the, the city of India and by the region. Um, you know, we talk about a lot, right, in the world I used to come from, Greg, and workforce and how we need quality people uh, to stay within the state of Indiana, city of Indianapolis. And to me, uh, there's no better way for uh, to, for companies and individuals to get involved and buy into that process right now than IUPU Athletics. Uh, we have a, a, a great student-athletes. I and mean, one thing I was really impressed about during the uh, the process were, were how smart the student-athletes were and how focused and how dialed in they were. Um, and, you know, we're, we're going to go out and take the message uh, to the people and get to know them. And, and I hope uh, people buy in and, and, you know, I'm going to spend a lot of time doing that. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, season is over. I think the last team that would have competed might've been track and field. Maybe it was softball a couple of weeks ago, you know, athletes will still be on campus, but competitions don't really start back up again for about two and a half, three months. So what does June and July then look like for you before athletes kind of return in, in, in full song coming in August? Yeah, so you know, first of all, I have to have to really get to know the staff. Uh, I've had a couple of meetings so far, uh, but I really want to get to know everybody and and know uh, you know what their strengths are and, and how we continue to improve. 
Uh, that, that's probably my first 30 days, get to know the coaches. Uh, but also during that time, you know, anybody that knows me, if you want to be involved, I'm going to reach out. Uh, I, I've, I've been overwhelmed by the support I've had today uh, by friends and, and former, co- uh, former coworkers and, and people around the city that really want to see this program succeed. And I'm going to be out and about talking to them, uh, telling them all about all the great things we have going on. Uh, and then we're going to get dialed in and leading up to the fall sports. And, you know, during the fall sports season, everybody's going to know when the Jags play. Uh, we're going to make sure and blast it on social media. Uh, we're going to blast it everywhere we can. You know, I'm hopefully, uh, you know, do this with, with you and John. Maybe John will give me uh, some time and talk about his hair and all the great things he has going on. And we'll talk about Jazz at Jags Athletics so people know what's going on. I mean, if you think about it, Greg, it's, you know, this is great Division One experience. You can be up close and personal with the athletes, get to know the athletes. And there's no reason why we can't have success like a lot of other uh, urban schools within the United States. A couple quick things, and, and then we'll let you go. And, again, you answer as long as you want to. No, you have to be quick uh, on my behalf. Um, I think about a mutual friend of ours in Andy Klein, who is the interim chancellor at IUPUI and is leaving to go to Wake Forest. And I want to wish him the best of luck. He has been very supportive. But one of the things that, that he said repeatedly in both official conversations and unofficial, so to speak, conversations with me, and me being around IUPUI Athletics now for more than 20 years, there have been times where I'm not sure exactly how much Bloomington's campus wanted to support the Indianapolis campus in terms of athletics. And my guess is you probably heard that a little bit uh, over the course of the last few weeks. But I am told by many people that is not the case with Pamela Witten. So I guess with what you're comfortable to share, your thoughts on how the president of IU views athletics at what will become IU Indianapolis. She's all in. Uh, you know, it, uh, for, she's all in for the first of all Andy's been great to me we got to know each other during the Horizon League uh, uh, conference tournament that we had here we're both on the local organizing committee and, and Andy was great during the process but and Andy is all in obviously uh, but you know Pam Witten has, has been all in during the athletics process we've had some great conversations um, about her vision and her vision is to win as well. And, you know, we want to win the right way. We're going to win the right way. And to me, it was really important to know that, that she was, uh, she was bought into the programs and she is. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm leaving a great job to come do this. And if I didn't believe um, that everybody within the IU network wasn't all in to see success at what will become IU Indianapolis, I surely didn't have to take this position. And during the interview process, uh, I, I was told, um, uh, hundreds of times uh, how how committed uh, the entire IU network is to the success of, of, of the IU Indianapolis, what will become the IU Indianapolis campus. And um, that's really, for me, that was one of the big selling points. And I look forward to, to President Witten being at games. She goes to a lot of games yep. and uh, look forward to uh, putting on shows for her so our teams are, are really successful and they can see how committed she is uh, to the program. And there has always been, and finally before we let you go, there has always been this this conversation, oh, probably dating back to the day it was built in the early 80s, about what we now call the jungle, the IUPUI gymnasium. And obviously that was built with an NAI school in mind. And now IUPUI has been Division One for a quarter century. Um, I don't think the need is what it was 10 years ago because that's how much I believe in the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. Love that building. I think it's a great place to watch a basketball game. But I know if you had your druthers, you'd rather be playing on campus in a, in a facility that would be suitable for Division I men's basketball. It's great for the women's team. It's, it's great for volleyball. I know there are other locker room considerations and things like that you're going to be kind of wrapping your arms around too. But I guess just in your mind, a timeline to potentially – have your own facility for all three of those teams on campus. 
You, you know, Greg, right now I'm just 100% focused on getting people uh, to the jungle for women's games uh, and getting people to the Indiana Farmers Coliseum for men's games. Um, as other stuff comes along, I'll, I'll focus on that. But right now, head down, totally focused on uh, the, the next season, on giving as many people as I can, stu- whether it's students or people in the community, to both those venues to check it out. Uh, that, that's where my focus is now. That is a tremendous political answer. Your background is going to serve you well, my friend. Now, now, a lot of times, this is where I, I say goodbye and hang up, and I say something nice about you uh, on the air before we go to break. But because of our friendship, I'm going to say it while you're listening to me. I am so happy that you got this job. And again, I have had, if not a full-time relationship, then somewhere more than a part-time relationship. People like Ed Holdaway and, and IUPUI basketball and other sports, and I'm getting goosebumps thinking about this. I'm as excited about IUPUI athletics as I have been in some time because I believe in you. I think you're going to do a phenomenal job. You know I'm here to help and support in any way possible. Congratulations, my friend. I look forward to working with you, if not on a daily basis, then on more, and then on a more regular basis. Congratulations, buddy. I appreciate it. That, that means the world to me. And go Jags, and I can't wait to see you again. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Back to the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. This poor guy's going to be seeing way too much of me over the course of the next week, but he does that every week during the course of the high school basketball season. It is all-star season for Indiana basketball with games Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. And Saturday, um, kind of uh, ending the series the right way at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. He is my friend. He is my coworker. He is the director of the Indiana All-Stars. It is Mike Broughton. Hello, Coach. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? It sounds like you guys were talking about things. I think I'm more Clint Eastwood. I'm not sure. I think I fall way back. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you on Eastwood. We're we're all good uh, <laughs> on that front. Um, I'm not sure people know the amount of work that you put in year-round or at least from the start of a basketball season to get to this point. How are you feeling a week out? Well, we're, I think we got everything in order. In fact, today was busy. We wrote the script today, which – is a few hours went to Indianapolis with uh, Tony and we wrote the script and then uh, was over with the Pacers and Gamebridge and we walked around the field house and you know it just smells like the all-star week it's coming and uh, we're really looking forward to getting back to Gamebridge and I hope we have a great crowd because we have a really good teams this year and the girls and the boys all right it has been four years through a combination of COVID and construction that you have played this game, at least the, the Indiana version versus Kentucky at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So you, you've referenced it already, but could you just put into words what it means to be back there and, and kind of play this game at such an NBA all-world level facility? Well, Southport was great to help us out. We were in trouble, and the NCAA has so many different rules that we ended up having to go to Southport. We were kind of hoping to move it to Hinkle for those years, and we weren't able to do it through the NCAA. But going back to Gamebridge, you know, it's a fantastic place to play. I think the kids, no matter what high school they played at or no matter where they played at, they get a little nervous when they walk in there on Saturday. And I was telling the girls' all-star team at practice a couple weeks ago that – You know, you walk in there, unless you play in the NBA, there's really no college game like this because we got the DJs playing and it's a fever. 
pacer atmosphere. And I said, I don't think you'll get to do that unless you make it to the top level. So I hope they have a good time. But uh, it'll be fantastic for the kids. And I know the Kentucky kids as well. They're kind of awestruck when they come in. All right. So with that, again, people tend to think of, well, there's the game in Kentucky. That's the Sports Center in Owensboro. There's the game in Indianapolis. And as you just know, that I just learned, that's going to be at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. But there's the junior-junior game in Jeffersonville. There's the junior-senior game coming up next week, too. So kind of walk me through the full week of activities you've got set up. Well, on Sunday, June 4th, we go to Jeffersonville, and our Indiana juniors, our junior all-star team, will play the Kentucky all-star team. And, of course, this year our all-star, our juniors are kind of led by Flory Badunga, who's kind of a national name. And so we play at Jeffersonville at 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock on Sunday, June 4th. And then uh, we ha- we start camp at Marion with the seniors on June the 6th. And on June the 7th, we go to Cathedral High School, and we're going to have our juniors, our Indiana uh, All-Star Juniors play our Indiana Seniors in a game so we can get our seniors ready to go to Owensboro on Friday. So, like you said, we'll be together a lot, and there's a lot of basketball going on. And then also on Saturday for the first time, uh, the first time ever, at noon on Saturday, our best freshmen, sophomores, and juniors, some of the best ones, maybe not all of them, but some of them, and the girls and the boys are going to play at noon and 2 o'clock in a Futures game. And we're trying to sell the best of the past, the present, and the future. And the Futures game is, again, at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. The girls at noon, the boys at 2 on uh, Saturday, June 10th, and then, of course, the All-Star game that evening. A couple things that, from, from that, that that jump out to me. First of all, you referenced Flory Badunga. And this young man has been in this state for less than two years. But I also know how important he is treating this and how much he wants to play for Indiana, frankly, how much he wants to win Mr. Basketball this year. You've been around this state and this game for a long time. Your thoughts about the way that, that this place has adopted him, but frankly, the, he, the way he has adopted this place every bit as much. I mean, I think he's a kid. I've talked to him only once, but I think he's a young man that appreciates appreciates Indiana high school basketball about as much as any kid I've ever met. And it's new to him. Everything's kind of new and he's going to have a fantastic career. I mean, he's uh, got NBA written all over him, but he really wants to be part of this high school series. He wants to be part this year with the juniors. It's going to make our seat. It's going to make it a little harder on our seniors by, by the juniors. And I know it's going to be making it hard on the juniors at Kentucky, but he all, he just wants to be involved in all the activities that lead up to possibly next year, him being Mr. Basketball. It's refreshing. You know, there's so many other things going on for kids today, but he's really centered on what Indiana high school is about. And he loves it. And that's, I think he kind of will Kokomo to runner up because of his kind of love for basketball, love for the state of Indiana. And you and I were impressed by him in the state finals, and the word is he has gotten nothing but better in terms of working on areas where he knew he had to expand his game, and he has done that already in the spring AU circuit. The other young man I wanted to point out, because you touched on bringing back past Mr. and Miss Basketballs to kind of have all the generations represented of this game. There was one uh, f- former All-Star that you had no problem bringing back because his grandson is playing for the team. What's it like having Billy Keller uh, back involved? His grandson is Luke Almodovar from Noblesville, going to play at St. Francis. Uh, it's so cool that Billy is coming back for this. Kind of your thoughts on that. 
Well, I've, I've contacted him twice down in Florida, and, and uh, he is so excited to come back, partly because of his uh, grandson, but also partly because, you know, he is kind of the Pacers. He is Indiana high school basketball. He won a state championship. He won ABA championships. And uh, I think he's about as excited as any kid I got, to be honest, to come back. And uh, we're also – he doesn't know this, but we're also going to have him uh, open the – boys game giving the basketball to the referee and we're going to honor the six mr and miss basketballs that we have highlighted they're going to sign autographs from four to five o'clock and we have this fantastic little poster that we had uh people in the ibca draw up of their past pictures of when they played denny brady uh humes uh judy warren so we have these pictures of the past and so from four to five, you come in the door. We got a free throw shoot with uh, Hoosier Shooting Academy for a T-shirt. All you got to do is hit a free throw. Shouldn't be hard for a lot of the kids. And then they can go over. And the six all past Mr. Basketballs and Miss Basketballs are going to sign a poster for them. And so we're kind of bringing all of Indiana back. We want the past. We want the present with the All-Star game. And, of course, we're bringing the future kids back, some of them only freshmen, but are really good players across the state. And so we just hope that people will jump on board and that we can sell a lot of tickets for this game. Uh, We're going to have dance cams and all kinds of different things. And uh, uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun if uh, people want to come down on Saturday the 10th and see these high school kids in action. You can see all the best players across the state on that Saturday. All right, best way to get tickets, whether it's for Jeffersonville on Sunday, Cathedral on Wednesday, the Fieldhouse on Saturday, best way to get tickets for each of those venues. Okay, at Jeffersonville, uh, you just go down the day of the game and they're selling tickets. You don't need uh, any fancy computers or phones. It's $10 to watch the girls and the boys play at Jeffersonville. First game's at 2 o'clock on Sunday. And then on Wednesday, the same thing. It's a $10 ticket for the two games at Indianapolis Cathedral High School. I think it's going to be great. There's only 900 seats, and we hope we fill them all plus a little bit. And then, uh, of course, at Gabridge Fieldhouse, the 317-917-2727 is the box office. And you can contact them there. And uh, we've done a – I think right now we're probably a little ahead of what we've been in the past. But we would like to really step it forward. Uh, we got some great futures games again with Flory and some uh, Benner that's going to Purdue. Yep. We got some of the top players, and then of course the All Star game. We got Booker going to Michigan State, Burton, who's Mister Basketball, and then of course Layla Hall's going to North Carolina. So. I think it's going to be fantastic. If you're a basketball fan, we'd love for you to be there. Mike, as always, buddy, thanks for the time. And, again, I'll be seeing you at uh, pretty much every venue the next week. Thanks for the time, my friend. I'll see you soon. You take care of yourself, and thanks for supporting us. Really appreciate it. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Here to answer the most difficult questions I can think of, much like trivia that we would have during our broadcast, 
You may know him as Brad Hodder, as in uh, my broadcast partner for life on Indy 11 broadcasts, uh, legitimately like one of my best friends, uh, but also like professional soccer player and longtime coach of both Rose Holman and DePaul. That's like the night and weekend job or the past tense now for Brad. These days, his primary responsibility is as the director of club growth and marketing for the Indy 11. And so I would say today was a very big day for him and for the remainder of his working days with the Indy 11. How's that sound, my friend? <laughs> I cannot believe it. it. It feels like it's Christmas morning. Um, obviously, you know, you have been attached to this like I have uh, over the course of now the last nine years. Over the course of, say, the last seven or eight months, this has become something you think about for 5 to 10 to 15 hours a week to something you might think about literally 24-7, 365. I realize the end goal is 22, 23 months away, but to know that that, that, that countdown is officially ticking as of now, what does that mean to you? It's so incredibly exciting. You know, as a guy who grew up in Indianapolis, you know, did my middle school, my high school, my college uh, time in Indy and in, in love this city. And to see what 11 Park is going to bring to downtown Indianapolis, I mean, we're going to talk the soccer aspect of it, but there is so much more to 11 Park than just the stadium and the soccer aspect. What struck you about the uh, ceremony today? Again, it's, it's it's just to kind of get things kick-started. It, it's just to kind of grab everybody's attention locally, and I know that job was completed successfully, but in terms of atmosphere, attitude, things said, anything that will kind of – you know, when you think back to this day, however long ago you know, it's, it's going to be, uh, they'll kind of come to the forefront of your memory? Just surreal. Absolutely surreal. You know, you and I have been around this club for a decade now, and the talk of a stadium, the talk of pro soccer, the, you, know, you look at the, the women's pro, the, the Super League team that, that we've just acquired, you look at the pro academies, you look at all of this stuff, and, you know, you hear buzzing about what Indy 11 is going to be doing on a, and not just a league-wide, but, you know, on a, on a bigger scale. And the stadium has always kind of been that hum in the back of your head because we've, you know, we've heard about it for a long time. You know, COVID hit right when it started ramping up last time. And then you're sitting in there and you're look. I don't, have you seen the video? Did you see the video? I saw the video. You did a good job on that. Oh my goodness. You sit there and you're looking at this thing and you're just absolutely blown away in, in the surreal feel like 10 years of working on this and towards this is actually coming to fruition. And let's face it, you know, it, it, it shows just how solidly soccer has, has made it. We still hope for continued growth. But if you have, and again, of, of like, you know, like one-tenth of a percentage of people have the understanding that you do, having lived this life playing indoor soccer and then playing the early stages of Division Two, Division Three outdoor soccer, you know, in, in the mid to late 90s, but for a, a club that has a first division women's program coming up in two years, but there's no guarantee the Indy 11 could play in Major League Soccer. We wouldn't be against it, but if not, they'll play in the USL Championship. But to have, have a, a something that doesn't have, again, that guaranteed MLS buy-in, but yet this 20,000-seat venue with, yes, all of the office and all the business and all of the residential that, that will go along with it, but to have a venue for a club that doesn't necessarily have that MLS carrot, or is not threatening to say, hey, we can't keep our LMS team if you don't build this for us. To me, this is, this is quite the development, not just in Indianapolis, but in the general kind of American soccer landscape. Your thoughts on that? 
Well, I think you're 100% right with it. And I think the other aspect is everything that goes around the stadium. You know, soccer is a game that once you experience it, and you, you're even if you don't really fully, you know, I think that the newcomer is still trying to grasp offsides. And so you've got the, the newbie that's coming into it, and then you've got the, the people that have grown up in the game. But when you're sitting in there and there's the chanting and there's the passion and there's the energy, it's hard to not fall in love with the game of soccer. So now it's how do you introduce more people to it? You take a look at everything that's going into 11 Park, from hotels, from office spaces, to retail, to restaurants, you know, to apartments. Now there's no excuse for all of these people not to at least just take a look at it and once you look at it, you fall in love. What has been the feedback so far? Because again, let's face it the 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 pictures, the visuals, you know, have been there in some form or fashion for seven, eight, nine years. Obviously, this has been much more solidified over the course of the last few months, and and we will see those pictures turn into reality between now and April of two thousand twenty-five. But the feedback that you have gotten from really the last say three or four months until now, what has that feedback been like? Well, I don't think there's anybody that looks at the renderings and says, oh, you could have done better. You know, I think it's an absolute home run. And, you know, when you look at social media today, you know, the comments on this, it's it's mind-blowing, the excitement in this city right now. Again, Brad Hodder, he is, well, you know him from television and radio with me and on Soccer Saturday on this radio station. But again, the day job would be as the Vice President of Marketing and Club Growth of the Indy 11. And he joins us here, almost said Soccer Saturday. Uh, Greg Rakestraw filling in for JMV on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, I know you're a soccer expert. I know you're a marketing expert. You're actually an expert on farming. That's a conversation for a different day. You're not a construction guy. Maybe like of some sort of goat ranch, you literally could construct that, but but you're not a construction guy. So I'm asking you a construction question. I understand that. So uh, so now what? Uh, what are the next 23 months like as we are ramping up to playing in 11 Park in early as early as possible in 2025? Yeah, nobody wants me involved in the construction conversation. <laughs> Trust me on that. Um, and with it, there's so much that goes into it from just understanding, you know, permits and, and uh, all that stuff. I, I That is so far out of my wheelhouse. I don't even know the timeline on, on when things go down and when things start to go up. Um, all I know is, you know, we're looking at 2025. We've got two years to try and get this. It'd be an absolute dream, Rake, if we're kicking off the 2025 season in the new venue. But I don't know everything that goes along the lines to, to build to that point I, I guess from a standpoint of in, in the office internally now that again shovels in the dirt it's, it's no longer a matter of of of, of if it's going to be a matter of when and, and even we know when that end date is going to be because frankly we've kind of been in, in in that mode as you've said kind of from from the, from the pandemic on how does this change the day-to-day operations of, of this club that's going to be really interesting because, you know, one of the things when you're in the, the competition business, which we are, is the day-to-day grind on trying to be better and win that next day, win that next moment, win that next game is 24-7. I mean, the, the energy and the, the work never turns off. Everything, you know, this has been great. This has been a great uh, day, great energy, great positivity. But I got to tell you, we got Charleston. Uh, Charleston Battery that we're playing on Friday, we've not lost our focus on that. And our women have their home opener Friday night against Racing Louisville. So 
you know, you can only take a moment to stop and, and smell the roses and look at that rendering and watch that video so long. And then it's back to work. we got to win. All right, let me kind of walk people through. Um, so this is kind of like the broadcast. Brad's going to be quiet for a little while, and I'm going to explain some things. Then Brad will try to say something smart about it on the back hey, end of on, it. hold on, hold on, hold on. Just a second ago, I thought I got named VP of Soccer Saturday. You know, you were vice president of um, club marketing and growth. Oh. You, you, are, you are occasionally – occasionally is the key word there an invited guest on soccer saturday gotcha. and gotcha. and there is a, a a pretty good chance that this conversation will re-air on soccer saturday just so you know right here on 93.5 gotcha. and 107.5 the fam so as i was saying the u and, and brad alluded to the indian 11 women's team they play in the w league that is a a pre-professional league that are, that are players that are still in college just graduated with college a lot of players that, that on, on this year's team have had previous professional experience looking to kind of get back into the pro ranks um, or um, are, are trying to use this as a springboard to debut as pros. That's the, that's the level the Indian women are playing at now. That's the USLW League. The hope is – not the hope. They're going to play in the Super League. The hope is that that begins in August of 2025. And again, of note, that is the FIFA calendar. That is going to be in August – through May League. I'm sure there will be a winter break. I'm sure there's going to be some creative scheduling involved in there. So we're not trying to play matches when it's 8 below 0, potentially, uh, on a given Saturday um, in January. It's now been a couple of weeks since that news has come out because literally you have packed like a year's worth of news into three weeks for the Indy 11. Um, What has the feedback been like in terms of now knowing what the path is going to be for women's professional soccer in this city? Unbelievably exciting. I mean, you look at the the Super League from the USL, first division status. So it's the top tier of professional soccer for women in the United States. And when you look at our W League team, I mean, we're we're three and zero, twelve goals for, zero goals against. Um, it, we've got, like you mentioned, we've got some players on there that have pro experience. I think if you're a player on our W League team, you're saying, I really like this. I like this experience. How can I continue to grow here in this club? So I'm sitting in that driver's seat when the the Super League team pops up in, you know, in 2024, 2025. I, I want to be in that mix. I want to be on that roster. And again, the, the Super League is a Division One league. It is not the NWSL. And again, that, I realize, is more of a USL question. Now, frankly, the fact that it is a Tier 1 league is what was so appealing to the Indy 11. Um, your thoughts on, on August through May. Um, in one case, Brad, again, it kind of helps us from a scheduling standpoint with having the Indy 11 men and the 11 women uh, playing in the same venue. For you and I, it gives us 12 months a year of soccer to talk about. That's not a bad thing. But uh, you, you've played some cold outdoor matches. You've coached in some cold outdoor matches. Your thoughts of the unique nature of that August to May schedule they're about to embark on? Those cold matches, they, they toughen you up. A lot of <laughs> into those. That work, yeah, does that work for fans as well? It toughens them up too? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I love the fact that, you know, we can be working off of a 12-month soccer calendar. You know, I think it's important on the scheduling aspect of, you know, we were in Lucas Oil. There were times we couldn't have a weekend game or a, a Saturday-Sunday game because of something that was going on in, in, in that venue. Having our own venue and having teams that, kind of overlap just a little bit season-wise is fantastic. You look at concerts, you look at other things that we can bring into the venue, and it spaces it out as opposed to, hey, being really heavy usage in six months and then kind of dormant the rest of the time. 
All right, so uh, for any time you have news that, that is like this, and again, the team has been around now for over 10 years. Uh, the team has been, this is our 10th season from a men's standpoint, second season from a women's standpoint. Um, but there will be people that literally might be hearing about the Indy Limit for the first time. Not on this radio program, but you're going to be on the, the top of every newscast across the city tonight because of, of this construction project. And again, what it will add to downtown Indianapolis. If somebody calls your office and says, hey, I, I just heard about the Indy 11. After you get over that initial shock, what are you telling them ab- ab- about this team, this club, this franchise going forward? Well, I, you know, you, you mentioned some of the announcements we've had in the last week from the Super League team, the women's pro team, to the pro academies. We have put in place something for everyone. So we've got, you know, we've got soccer at the highest level of professional for both men and women. And we have all of the steps. I mean, we're invested in club programs on the rec level throughout the state. We've got 16,000 kids across the state of Indiana that we are investing in to help them grow the game and to help them grow the love of the game all the way up to the pro academy. So no matter where you are in that ladder of soccer, enthusiasm, passion, knowledge, we've got something for you. Again, the Indy 11 break ground on 11 Park. That happened as of about five hours ago. Big day for soccer, a big day for downtown Indianapolis, and a big day for Brad Hodder, who joins us now. Now, you were concerned about me asking you two difficult questions. How did I do in those 15 minutes? Is that okay? Um, yeah. You did good. You did good. You're a pretty good interviewer. I pre- well, thank you. I think I have some years of practice at this. Um, I also know Brad's you know, preferred attire is more on the casual side. What was the decor for you today at the groundbreaking? What'd you wear? I was dying. I was dying. I was in a suit. It was 90 degrees out there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm used to, from my coaching job and from my playing job, I'm used to elastic waistbands. This belt and, and dress shoe stuff, that's weird for me. Thankfully, you're still a full-time farmer, so you work out. So you're still skinny as all get out. Uh, right. Even barreling towards 60 uh, as you are. Um, you know I'm happy for everybody. Um, cause obviously, I'm, 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 I'm to some degree a part of the team, uh, but I'm happy for so many for, for to some degree uh, for for I'm happy for you. I'm happy for so many people uh, that have been involved in this over the course of the last 10 years. And I realize it has only just begun and we will have more conversations like this for the next 23 months, but especially when the spring of 2025 rolls around. Uh, I'm seeing you Friday night at Grand Park, correct? Correct. I'll be there. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, pal. Bye-bye. Brad Hodder, again. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. His name is Adam Rakestraw, and he joins us now. It's good to have another Rakestraw on the show. Adam, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Let me get... wild to be talking to another race. <laughs> <laughs> How often does this happen in your life, by the way? Uh, I think before this, it's happened maybe one other time ever. So, um, so you've been on campus now for four years. How long did mm-hmm. it take for somebody to ask if you knew me or were related to me or potentially might have been like my kid? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was the first week I got on campus. I was asked if I was your kid. Well, first of all, I'm sorry uh, that that was the case. Um, <laughs> is your dad Darren, by the way? Is that your dad? 
Yes. He okay. Is. So because I because I'll see him pop up on Twitter. So so he and I have interacted yeah. beyond, on on social media on on that front. Yeah. Uh, so my apologies to your actual dad uh, that 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 was the case. <laughs> but were now were you recruited by by Gary Vaught or were you an Al Ready recruit for these last four years? I was an already recruit, so just as he was coming in, that's when I that's when I was recruited here. And that is the current head coach, and uh, and I'll talk to him at some point in time later this week when I'm filling in for for Bob Lovell. But I reference Gary because Gary was the coach for 25 years. Gary was literally the coach that began my freshman year. So my freshman year, New Indy, new AD, new baseball coach, new football coach. Timing was very serendipitous for me because that group then was there seemingly forever. Um, you know, when I would come back to campus. So you are. A from Cincinnati, why was you Indy the right place for you? Um, it really, it had to do with uh, a couple of things. It was my major uh, being a business administration, the distance from home, and then the ability to play. So I was fielding some other offers and trying to make the tough decision about going to a bigger school, a smaller school, or somewhere in the middle. And it kind of all just came together and this was the right place. It's about an hour 45 from home. So it kind of just made sense with all the, all the variables adding up. I caught wind for some of my UND friends that, Hey, there's a rake straw on the team uh, when you were a freshman and I looked you up and your number was somewhere in the sixties. Um, you get to, <laughs> you get to your second year, you get to make one start the entire year. Last year, kind of a part-time player. Things must be going better for you because now you're wearing number five. They normally give those single digits to number to guys that are actually going to play. What changed for you this year in your fourth year on campus? Uh, it really was just confidence. So coming in, basically having nothing left to lose, like knowing it's my last year uh, with future plans, and uh, just being confident. Uh, and then also just like the culture with every guy here. We all got each other's backs, and everyone is playing for each other and not for themselves. So I think that really helped everybody just come together this year. Most successful seasons do not begin by starting 1-10 in conference play. Now, this was against other really good teams and the teams that would make the postseason. You guys got off to a great non-conference start. First three conference weekends went haywire. How would you and your teammates turn it around by the time you got to April? So... Coach Reddy always talks to us before the year about there being three seasons, the uh, non-conference, conference, and then the postseason. Uh, and the previous years, we've kind of stumbled in the non-conference, came back with the conference, and then postseason has been up in the air. But this year, we started off hot in the non-conference uh, and then had a fall at the very beginning of the conference against some good teams. And honestly, I think that is what helped us like later in the postseason because – you see some of these good teams just dominate the regular season, and then they're kind of caught off guard if a game doesn't go their way in the postseason. And then getting over that hump early in the early in the year and getting that out of the way, I think, helped with the maturity of our team. It has been a full-on revenge tour for the Greyhounds. They won at Illinois Springfield, league foe in 11 innings, then swept Maryville, league foe, by combined 9 and 10 run margins. Then the way that then this is somewhat new for Division Two. To have kind of a, but and it mirrors Division One. You have a super regional round where it's just you and other team playing a best two out of three. You had to go to play at Quincy, who was ranked number five or number six in Division Two. You won a couple of close games on the road at their building last weekend. What was that experience like for you and your teammates? Uh, it was just the most rewarding experience we've had all season. I mean. We saw them for one game in the conference tournament. Uh, it was a really close game, and 
they got the better end of it, but we knew we were going to see them again. And that's kind of what we put up on our bulletin board that we're going to be seeing these guys again and not to look too far ahead in the future, but uh, just to be focused on that matchup and uh, ready to tackle it was our main goal. I've, I've made a trip or two to Quincy, Illinois. I know that can be a long bus ride home if you don't win. When you win, it's quite the opposite. What were those five hours like coming back to Indianapolis last weekend? <laughs> that was the fastest bus ride we've ever had, I think. <laughs> that was a good one. All right, so uh, I, I talked briefly on that. I've been to Cary a few times. I love that building. You guys are flying out tomorrow. Um, what, what, ha- what do you expect for this experience? Well, I know you expect to win. That that part's a given. I get that. And there's some of the teams that feel the exact same way you do. But in terms of just the setting, the place, the trip, what you've been told, what, what are you thinking about heading in? Uh, I've been told uh, and by our coaches and the people who have been there or at least watched a lot of it that it's just all about celebrating and competing. So I think we're all just looking forward to uh, getting to go. It's a dream of every baseball player that plays in the NCAA to go to a World Series, no matter the division. And uh, I think we're just going to try to enjoy it as much as we can and play as hard as we can. It's going to be, we think, a similar environment to Quincy as far as the crowd and everything, but just treating it like any other game and playing our best and having fun is what we hope to do. Now, I know eligibility-wise you are a junior because of the COVID year. Are you planning to come back for one more year, or is four years enough for you? I am not. So, yeah, that's that's been a hot topic discussion around here, especially after we went on this run. Uh, and so, as, as you know, I'm from Cincinnati, and my plan throughout all of college was to go to law school next year. So uh, I was accepted into the University of Cincinnati Law School, and that's where I'm going to be going next year. So who knows? But as of right now, that's my plan. We got ourselves a smart Rakestraw for once on this program. <laughs> I like this. Uh, Greg Rakestraw filling in with Adam Rakestraw. Again, the first for me. Again, we are not related that we know of uh, here on 93.5 and 107.5, the fans. So, all right. Um, the the only other Rakestraw that you have talked to would be where and whom? Where were they from? Do you remember? Uh, I actually didn't even speak to them. Uh, I remember seeing on some summer ball trip during my high school career, I think down somewhere down south, maybe uh, Mississippi, I'm not sure, but one of those states down south, we were playing a tournament, and we just saw a Rakestraw construction van. So <laughs> me and my dad got out and took a picture with it, and we were like, this is awesome. Like We thought we were alone, <laughs> but... That's probably the only time I think I've ever seen that. All right, so so here is here is the Rakestraw family lineage that I can share with you. I'll, we'll, we'll pass okay. this along. So, so it, that might have been Tupelo, Mississippi. I know of a Bill okay. Rakestraw that has worked in the radio advertising business down in down in that neck of the woods. I was broadcasting. Was it Brandon Woodruff that pitches for the Brewers? I did the American Legion World Series for four years, and he was pitching for the Tupelo team. So my name flashes up on screen. This guy's watching his hometown team. He tracks me down. And you kind of compare notes kind of like this. There is a Larry Rakestraw that was the quarterback at the University of Georgia. My dad's not Larry Rakestraw, not that one. So anytime that I okay. do like any sort of conversation with somebody down south, people ask, are you Larry Rakestraw? So I go, why, yes, I am. <laughs> and my dad happens to be from Alabama, uh, but, it's, but yeah. it's not that one. There are Rakestraws that I'm not related to that live here in Indianapolis. I wouldn't say it's a common name, but there's a group okay. of Rakestraws that live out kind of on the west side 
in the Ben Davis area, and I have become Facebook friends with one of them. Uh, there was a Jeff Rakestraw that was a longtime member of the Marion County Sheriff's Department. I got a ticket. You might know this area well, uh, kind of going too fast up 31 slash East Street. My first year on yep. campus, they said, hey, you know Jeff? I said, man, I wish I did, uh, and, and I did not. <laughs> there, are, there are a series of Rakestraws that live in Kansas, and in fact, one of them was the mayor of a town in eastern Kansas. So that is my, and there are apparently rake straws up around Rochester. So there you go, more than you ever needed or wanted to know about the rake straw clan. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta study up on my rakestraw knowledge. I guess, we, man, I did not know any of that. <laughs> well, once you get that law school degree, you will, you'll be able to fund a rakestraw family, non-family get together, and we'll all, you know, kind of collaborate on that. Adam, <laughs> it, it, Adam, it is a pleasure to finally get to talk to you. I look forward to meeting you in person. Thanks for carrying on the family name at UND. It was nice being the best <laughs> rakestraw athlete there for twenty years. I now secede that title to you, uh, but uh, go get him this week down in Cary. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hope to talk to you soon. All right. You got it. That's Adam. All right. So now we're going to go from one UND player to another. Because, damn it, when the alma mater wakes the World Series, we're going to have two guests on the show. Especially when, you know, I work with both mom and dad on a regular basis. Now, why did EJ White have to go second? Well, he's the closer. He never starts the game. But he comes in now to finish off the segment. EJ, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mr. Rakestraw. Uh, <laughs> life's, life's going really, really well right now. You, you, now. you never have to say Mr. I appreciate the respect. Never say Mr. with me. Greg, Greg is perfectly fine. Um, I have been living vicariously through your dad's Facebook posts over these last, really the entire season, but especially these last three weeks. What has this ride been like for you? It's been nothing short of incredible. Um, if I'm being completely honest, I mean, we're, we're a really, really close group. Um, and we have been all year that since we first met back in August, uh, in one of the classrooms on campus, we, um, you know, we started off the year 13 and 0 last undefeated division two baseball team. And, uh, then we lost nine in a row and we kind of had our backs against the wall um starting off conference 0 and 8 i mean that's that's brutal and then we split our next series but one of the things we really wanted to focus on was just winning each and every week um just leaving the week positive going three and two four and one and uh we've been doing that to this day so it's it's been awesome now part of the story for you and obviously because of of knowing your mom and dad for so long and and then kind of quasi knowing you ej was at depaul but had one more year left and wanted a a bit of a nothing against depaul wanted a bit of a different experience why was you indy the right place for you after being in greencastle the last few years well, uh, to start off, I actually I actually have two more years. I have this year and next year. My so bad. Uh, no, all good, all good. But, um, you know, DePaul was a great place for me. Um, I learned a lot about myself. I, I matured, and I wanted to keep on playing the game that I love. Um, I was playing in the college summer league up at Grand Park, um, working with guys up at Pro-X, Jay Lair, who's, who's the best. He's the best up there. Um, and my, one of my coaches was Adam Cornwell, um, our, our current pitching coach at UND. And, um, it was, he, he was always in my ear. He was helping me out left and right. And, uh, he was really one of the reasons why I came to UND, heard great things, um, knew a lot of great players that have gone through here. So, uh, I I knew it'd be a good fit. Every bullpen needs a guy that throws from the side. 
That is that that EJ is that guy. I know you wanted to kind of start that in high school. That that kind of got poo pooed a little bit, and I don't want to go down that road again. Like I said, I know your dad, as you can tell. Um, but but where did that begin for you, and and why is that an effective pitch for you? Um, so it started off the summer before my senior year of high school. Um, that guy Jay Lair I'm talking about. Um, he he kind of sat me down and was like, "All right." you want to be different? You want to play in college? I was like, yes, 100%. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. Um, and, and it started off just using a towel, um, working on a lot of stretching because you're using a lot of different muscles than you are just regular throwing over the top. Um, but I'm all about deception, really. I, I, I used to have crazy long blonde curly hair. I wear glasses when I throw. I wear the high pants. I try to be all goofy and weird um, on the field, just to try to mess with the hitters a little bit. Um, but I just I love being able to just – throw different pitches that move different ways. My my whole goal as a pitcher is to make sure the batter does not see the same pitch that looks the same way. So I'm going to throw a different fastball every time. I'm going to throw a different changeup, different slider, just to kind of keep them on their heels a little bit. That's your dad coming out in you right there. Uh, for those that don't know, EJ's mom basically played on, on the – predecessor of the women's national team from a soccer standpoint uh, mom was the marion county athlete of the year at north central is that right is that a correct statement ej yes, okay yes, i know she sir. played her college soccer at george mason timing is everything in life women's professional soccer was out around or she frankly would have played she's that good she's won a state title as a head coach at burbuff which is where ej went to high school as well so i i know where the athleticism comes from um what sort of athlete was eduardo blanco as he calls himself growing up Oh, Lord. Uh, he, you know what? He loves the game more than anyone. And um, it, it's it's so awesome having both my parents support me so much. And, you know, my dad is my biggest fan, but he is also my biggest critic. So um, I appreciate him for both of those. Um, but, you know, he, he, loves, he loves baseball more than anything. And um, I think that definitely shows with all his tweets. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, E.J. White, son of Eddie White, host the World's Greatest Post Game Show, joins us here on 93.5 and, and 107.5 The Fan. All right, why number 62? Um, it was actually just given to me. Um, I, I requested a couple numbers. I committed to UND pretty late, and they just, I just said, whatever number works. So I got 62, um, and I, I also, I don't know, I kind of like it. Not a lot of people wear 62, so it's just something else that's different about me. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's really nothing special behind 62. And I know that in talking with your dad that you are thinking about, to some degree, following in mom's footsteps. The goal for you, at least a few years ago, was to work professionally in soccer and to potentially do so in the Premier League. Has that changed at all? That has not changed. Uh, I've, I mean, of course, you know, soccer's in my blood with my mom, and I, I love every little thing about soccer had the great opportunity to work with uh, hope solo uh, for two separate occasions, which is really, really cool. Um, I, I studied abroad over in England for a month. Uh, I, I absolutely love the beautiful game. Um, but yeah, I, I know you're, you're a big fan as well. A little bit. I, I, I know a thing or two. I'm not the player your mom was, but I know a thing. What I also know is that it's not exactly your dad's favorite sport. So every time that he would talk to me about you want to work in soccer, there was almost like this sense of resignation in his voice, even though he is obviously very, very proud of you. So what, you know, I, I clearly you got one more year at UND left. We can keep working on, on a master's degree. You've already graduated from DePauw. Um, you know, five, ten years from now, what's the goal? What do you want to be doing with your life in, in terms of working in soccer? 
So I, at my time at DePaul, uh, I took four years of Chinese. Um, so I want to kind of maybe work in the, in the Asia market a little bit because I know there's a lot of TV money, a lot of marketing deals over there. Um, so that's kind of niche uh, a little bit thing about me. But um, I, I want to I be over in England. I want to work in sports. Um, that's, of course, my goal now, and I know it will be a long, uh, a long adventure to get there. But um, I'm looking forward to it. Of the many wonderful qualities your dad has, um, there is no work, no one that can network like that man. So I have been told that uh, Troy Aikman gave you a congratulatory text and phone call. Lance Lynn gave you a mitt uh, and gave you a congratulatory phone call. Anybody else from the hit parade that I'm missing at this point? Um, no, no, not really. Um, this has just all been a crazy kind of surreal moment for for me and the for me and the rest of the team. I mean, we we have a bunch of really really great guys, um, and we have great coaching staff. We're so close. We work hard. We do the little things right, um, and we just really enjoy being around one another. And this this has been the best time of my life on a baseball field and i something i'll definitely never forget but we're not done yet there you go that much. We're, we're going for it all there you go ej buddy you know i'm rooting for you wherever you're gonna be playing at but especially when you pick the alma mater job well done on that congratulations on on the road to this point and best of luck and carry safe travels tomorrow thank you so much sir it was great talking to you you got it yeah, buddy good one. you too ej white Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Danger Zone. That was actually the front runner when Kevin Bowen and Jake Query were paired together. They liked to go with Kevin and Query. But Danger Zone was nearly the name of that program. Kevin, is that a factual statement? Boy, I felt like the three hours I spent with him today, I felt like I was in the Danger Zone. (laughs) You always know you are side seat driving on that show because you're not quite sure that's going to go, right? No, and you know what? My dad taught driver's ed for about 30 years, so I kind of feel like I'm I'm almost my dad, just kind of grasping for the wheel at times. I feel, feel like we're turning left on red. We're doing a lot of those things. So today was one of those. I had to stay up until 2 or I don't even know it was, 1 a.m. to watch Ted Lasso. That was Jake's excuse for why he was on three hours of sleep. Usually it's a day that ends in why uh, for that to be the case with Jake. <laughs> but going back to your dad, who was a driver's ed instructor, I actually had a, had a game last night where I went to go pick up my partner because he just had rotator cuff surgery. And he is an old driver's ed instructor. And I noticed I made a move that made him push his right foot down and he's sitting in the passenger seat, which for those that have ever been through driver's ed knows, that's, that, that's the dummy break you know, in case student driver doesn't know what he's doing. So how many times would you notice your dad doing that in your car as you were growing up that he would instinctively hit the brakes and realizing, oh, blank, I can't stop this? Yeah, definitely, definitely a couple of times to say the least. I I do think like for driver's ed teachers, I do think my dad did a nice job of like not being like crazy, you know, driver's ed uh, passenger seat the whole time. Honestly, the best part about it was like, you know, he would have this car for the whole summer. And so, boom, we would like go to the, you know, the elementary school parking lot and drive around with it and all of that. So I do feel like I have like a decent early exposure to it. And I think my mom was probably the one that made sure uh, 
that uh, oh no Brad boom this this she acted like she had the um, she had the break in her in her front seat you know Kevin from where I'm from that's called tractors uh, that's how we learned uh, to drive <laughs> it at, at, at such a young age all right so hey I was hey I was I, I was down in your in your neck of the woods the other the other weekend I meant to text you played chariot run golf course chariot run yeah yeah, and and refresh me on the city's name, uh, right next to South Central High School. So, so for some reason, that is labeled as Laconia. That's Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, so, it, yes, next to South Central, Elizabeth, Indiana, the major metropolis that is the center of the South Harrison School Corporation, um, is like two miles down the road. So it's weird. Like Laconia is like five miles past Miller Hill. So Elizabeth is where that is located. Yes, sir. Got it. And am I totally off base here, or do I feel like South Central's made some deep tournament runs in, I don't know, maybe even football recently, or is that am I totally wrong? Well, they have not made deep runs in football because they've never had football at that South Central, just so oh, you know. Oh, wow. Okay. So they, am I thinking of a different South Central? They're, Adam they're, Central? They're, Adam Central is the football power. There are two South Centrals, and they're nowhere close to each other. So South Central of Elizabeth is in Harrison County in God's country. And literally, Kevin, just so you know, from where I grew up, you could take about eight minutes of country roads and, and only cross a highway, not actually take it, and get from the Rakestraw Radio Ranch Turley Road version to get to Chariot Run Golf Course. Um, the other South Central is South Central of Union Mills, which is in northwest Indiana, and they are the satellites and they are slightly bigger, and I do believe they play football there. Got it. Got it. Okay, well, now I have my South Central squared away. Chariot Run, very, very good public golf course, by the way. Uh, in, in conjunction with the casino uh, that is down there, which is which is the reason why uh, why that thing was frankly built. All right, so this now starts selling like a morning show. I have, what, now I have no idea what, what, what path we're going to take with this. Uh, the, in terms of non-Indianapolis 500 conversation, what has been the dominant topic over the course of the last couple of days? Well, certainly, yeah. I mean, we're still kind of putting a little bow tie on, on 500 chatter and the red flag and all of that. But, I mean, I, I do think, and I don't know, I haven't been around my computer for the last half hour or so, but, you know, as of now, Zach Eady, I, I don't think it made anything public yet one way or the other on his intentions for the draft. So we definitely talked about that a good amount this morning. I did see right before, got away from my computer earlier, you know, Cam Whitmore coming in from Villanova for a workout tomorrow for the Pacers. That's, I would say, easily the highest-rated prospect they've had in yet. So a little bit of draft chatters. We're, you know, a little over three weeks away from that. Um, and then Colts-wise, you know, being out there for the last OTA, or I guess it would have been the first open OTA, but it's the last one we've been able to watch on uh, on Thursday of last week. That kind of fell on our back burner just with Parkway sure. the next morning. Um, so we didn't chat a whole lot about that last week. So, you're starting to get into these 11-on-11 sessions, and now you're getting some, okay, these are the updates or necessarily, you know, these are the guys that are participating. These are the guys that aren't participating. You know, June 1st is a big day in the NFL calendar and that you typically see some veteran cuts. There's a financial element to it on, on why teams wait until that date to make some, you know, veteran cuts. So could the Colts be, you know, in line to look for a Mike Adams as a guy that they found at this part of the offseason? Right. You know, if you go back almost a decade now. So those are, I think, kind of some of the – I guess we haven't spent a ton of time on it, but those are some of the things we started to get into today, and I'm sure we'll get into more the rest of the week. All right, so if we're looking for the next pops, so to speak, since you, since you bring up Mike Adams, I mean, he was an absolute godsend of a find that I think he ended up getting, what, three years here when, when he was, you know, an afterthought when he was brought in. If, if you're going to go out and get that player this year, I'm not asking you to name me that name, 
what position would that player play? If you're going to go out and bring in another veteran from another team, you're bringing in a what if you're Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard? Well, I mean, honestly, I think safety is probably one of the couple that would be on that short list. I, I would think cornerback would be the other one. You know, it's such a young, young room. And honestly, if you slot Kenny Moore into more of that nickel slot position, I guess, you know, he wouldn't necessarily even qualify as kind of an outside corner there. Um, but I, I think the one that, for me, Rake stands above the rest would be interior of the offensive line. And probably I could group the entire offensive line, but I'll throw kind of that right guard spot in there um, if I had to pick any of the five. Um, and, and, you know, kind of the argument that I've had with myself about this over the last few weeks is, you know, when you look at positions of need for the Colts this season – I am of the thinking of veteran free agent help to support Anthony Richardson should be kind of the the single thought process in assessing what are your needs and how much you should invest in those needs. And if you're talking about positions on the defensive side of the ball, if those positions, which again, they are defense, if they're not directly impacting Richardson, I'm kind of good with letting the young guys roll. Um, I know that sounds a little bit soft and maybe doesn't sound like the hey, you know, you're not all chips in on winning in 2023. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm not. And, and I know that kind of goes, you know, debunks on everything, you know, that, you know, the professional football league and the NFL and, and, and how you know, parity kind of defines that league, how much it goes into it. But I just think this year is very much like how we talked about the Pacers back in October or November. It's about Halliburton taking a step. It's about Benedict Mather and he belongs at this level. It's about getting some sort of answer on Miles Turner, and you got all that, and no one really cares that they won 35 games. So, you know, when I look at positions, again, I think a veteran free agent on the O-line, um, I actually probably would be open-minded to a veteran pass catcher. I don't think they are, but right. I would look into that a little bit more. Uh, but as far as safety and corner, I'd be a bit content if they just kind of stood where they are and rode with a lot of the young guys they already have back there. Let's face it, when it, when it comes to Anthony Richardson, um, you know, we can notate in the parts of, of workouts we get to see how many first-team reps he is getting versus Gardner Minshew. We can be wowed by a particular throw that he is making knowing he's not going to be hit. But, but, but I would say that the thing that would catch my attention most is kind of how the other players are acting around him and, and, and what the other guys are saying about him. So on those two fronts, anything that, that immediately comes to mind or catches your attention? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably go back to maybe even before he got on the practice field in that, you know, guys, I mean, can you imagine how, I mean, certainly you and I follow it, Rake, and report on it. Uh, all, all of our listening audience is a fan of it. We're pretty darn exhaustive, exhausted by this quarterback carousel. Like, I mean, clearly, you know, this is it, – it's approaching an NFL record, frankly, for, you know, having a different quarterback in consecutive week ones. Now I think it's whatever it's going to be, the seventh straight year, something like that. Well, imagine being a part of that football team. Like, these guys aren't dumb. They, they know how much money the quarterback makes. They know how important that position is in, in the NFL. So I, I would say that kind of caught me first of, like – you asked them these questions, they were extremely candid and just being like, about time that we've taken a chance, and now we'll see if this guy can turn into something. Because I, I'm not saying the expectation should be there for an Anthony Richardson, you know, leading the Colts to the Super Bowl on his rookie contract, but you can point to several quarterbacks over the last handful of years that have gotten their respective teams to deep playoff runs and to the, the Super Bowl. Um, I would say the thing on the field that stood out to me a little bit more was, 
actually something Gardner Minshew said, um, I guess this would have been last week now, maybe it was two weeks ago, when asked about, and, and it, I kind of felt dumb asking the question, but Minshew was in one of those moods, and I feel like he just always is pretty good with, you know, ask me anything, and I'll offer a really honest answer. And he had worked out with Richardson during the draft process. So, I, I, I you know, I said to him, like, okay, I know you've talked about how different the ball is coming out of his hand versus your hand, but are there any similarities in your game? And he said he actually felt like from like an RPO decision-making standpoint, knowing the right reads, having good footwork, you know, getting the ball out quickly, processing, like he felt like those two were kind of similar. And I thought that was interesting because, you know, when you think of like crazy elite athletes, oftentimes the stereotype that goes with it is they might struggle more from a mental game, whereas vice versa. The guys that maybe aren't as gifted athletically, they're the ones that cerebral-wise, you know, check that box. So I thought that was kind of a an interesting answer from Minshew in that. And I guess not too surprising because, again, Richardson, by all accounts, you know, handled things from a mentally mental standpoint at Florida processing standpoint pretty well. That wasn't like a huge issue for him. Honestly, it's probably more of a Will Levis issue um, than it was a, a Richardson one. So I would say on field, and again, it's only really been one week plus, that is something that I found interesting from the guy that, you know, theoretically he's, quote-unquote competing with listen um we all think the best case scenario is anthony richardson's quarterback on day one i am also of the opinion that that determination has not been made yet and that determination gets made at some point in time during training camp and i think at some point in time after a preseason game or two i think that is your time frame to make that decision is two three weeks out before that season opening game in in, in early september just kind of your thoughts on, on on the process that will need to play out. Yeah, I mean, I'll be fascinated, Rake, to see how they divvy up those reps late July into August. Um, I mean, certainly I know you are, and it's not selfish by you at all, but you're very curious about that with your TV responsibilities yep. coming up during the, during the month of August. Um, you know, right now, it, it, 50-50 split last week. You know, we'll see how this week unfolds and then two more weeks to go in the offseason program, I would assume. It would take on that same sort of plan here to end the spring program. But then when you get into training camp, you know, especially once that calendar turns to August, you know, I would think you would like to commit to a guy, I mean, to your point, you know, kind of in that middle of the month. And I would tend to side even a little bit before that. At least you're showing some of your hand. Because I am interested in this. You know, the Colts play, they play back Saturdays, right? The, the 12th and the 19th, is that right? Yeah, correct, yep. And then they have that Thursday night game, mm-hmm. you know, five days after the game on the 19th, and that's their final preseason game. And, again, this is the preseason and how people handle, you know, how much you commit to starters in the preseason, all of that we will certainly debate. And I and I always think, and let me jump in here, and I know you got plenty more to say of, of great intelligence. I always think that it's a different proposition when you have a rookie quarterback, that preseason games are completely different especially in Richardson's case where he's got to have some level of experience. Certainly. And I would agree with that. And again, I kind of playing off of that, I would say, okay, does that mean Ryan Kelly would play more in the right. preseason? At, no, I, I think you have to, frankly. Yeah. It, you know, if you think he's going to be the guy week one. So, you know, when you get into that Saturday, Thursday, again, remember, there's only three preseason games now. So you got three of them. Week one, week two, and week three. Well, from week two to week three, it's just a five-day you know, day. Spread, uh, you know, some veterans might say, "Whoa, 
I'm, you know, I'm good or I'm not, I'm not used to, to doing that. Now, granted, it's a new coaching staff and we'll see how they handle things, but I think that'll be something to watch as well. Um, but I would say in kind of that August, you know, fifth to 10th range, you know, once you're in kind of that second week of camp, once you've put on the full pads, you know, that preseason opener is the 12th. You've got the joint practices with the Bears the week after. I think you got to show a few a few cards there and at least give an, uh, an indication of where you're at from a, a practice standpoint, a rep standpoint. And, you know, once you get into the late part of the month, you're probably going to start, you know, formulating a game plan for week one, as we know full well you know, what that game should mean to this franchise. Well, let's shift over from Colts, who obviously will be working the next couple of weeks, to the Pacers, who will be drafting uh, here in about three weeks. Um, and again, they're going to get a talented player at seven. Um, could they potentially try to package and move up a spot or two? It's certainly possible. Um, are they are they taking all their four selections after seven? I highly doubt it. You brought up, you know, hey, there's, there, there's a, a, a veteran cut line for the NFL that's coming up tomorrow. Could a player be brought in by the Colts? Is there a veteran that's going to come in for the Pacers and not of the George Hill, James Johnson variety? Not of the guys that would be, hey, just the wise old sage that can, that can work with the young guys. No, I mean a dude that's actually going to see playing time in the rotation. Do you see a player like that being brought in by Kevin Pritchard? Or is this simply going to be the number seven pick and then – whatever moves you can make after that. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think the fact that you're able to ask that question along with having the top 10 pick and then three more in the next, whatever, 20 some selections is just a reminder of how successful the Pacers have been with this rebuild. Like they are in a position where you feel good about some of their young pieces, yet they enter an off season with ample cap space. If they want to entertain that with, you know, three, I guess four picks in the top 30, um, 32 selections. So they can maneuver and they can kind of pick and choose. And I think a big decision internally they have to decide is, you know, if you would ask them back in October, what would this offseason look like? They would say, oh, another serious part of the rebuild. Sure. Well, now there's probably some chatter like, hey, look at the East. There's a little bit of dysfunction with some of these teams. You know, can the Pacers now accelerate things a little bit? You know, do you have a sense of urgency? Is there any ownership influence in that? I think those are all like real questions that you have. Um, you know, I, I tend to think you still use that pick on a, obviously a young guy and you still could try to grow because, you know, if you're going to make any move for a veteran, yes, they might be more of a sure thing, but it's also twofold. It's financial commitment and it's a massive draft pick commitment as well in what you would have to give up and this is probably or at least you hope the last time you're going to be drafting in the top 10 for for quite some time so i'm probably a little bit more of the take the guy at seven maybe package some of the late first rounders and see if you can you know find a veteran um to you know not be your top three or four guys but could certainly help you out that's probably the path i would explore but again we says about the pacers for several off seasons now and really even when they had the previous era of Oladipo and Brogdon and those guys, you know, because they didn't have a marquee player, they have always been in a pretty good cap situation. A large portion of the NBA can't say that. So can you factor into some salary dump situations, those sorts of things where you can benefit from a team that all of a sudden looks at it and says, man, Buddy Heald's making that much and we're in a rebuild in Sacramento. All right. 
uh, we will, you know, kind of throw him in as the extra piece when it, it, Halliburton was looked at as the marquee guy. So I think those are some areas that the Pacers need to uh, try and explore. And it does, you know, Kevin Pritchard strikes me as a guy that is, and has said this, he's very open-minded to all of that. And certainly those will be the debates between now and uh, June June 22nd when the draft gets here. I'm going to be doing a basketball game at Cathedral High School next Wednesday night, and there are two future Notre Dame Finding Irish players playing in the game. I assume you're going to be there? Oh, wow. Tell me more. I, I, I Now that you said this, I do remember seeing something at Cathedral – um, coming up here from a basketball standpoint, but I'm not familiar with the game. Is it a? It's got to be one of the junior, uh, senior, junior games or it, something like that. It would be the junior senior game, and obviously you got Marcus Burton and now Logan Imes that are playing in the game that are both going to be playing for Micah Shrewsbury at Notre Dame. Uh, again, I'll, I'll have a webcast you can watch um, at, at iscsportsnetwork.com. But knowing you, I assume that you would not miss the chance to go back to the Almonte to watch this game. Okay, so give me the date on this again. Next Wednesday, uh, so one week from tonight, girls game I want to say is at 6, and the boys game to follow in doubleheader fashion. Okay. I'll be the guy making noise with headphones on. It's either up in the balcony or perhaps on the opposite baseline right corner as you walk in. Okay, well, I think I... I need to be all in on this. Um, yeah, this, 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 it sounds like a great opportunity. You know, I've asked you about Marcus Burton a lot. Imes I've not seen a whole lot of, but I know some people are kind of intrigued by a little bit of a combo guard situation. Well, the thing is, is I, I, I think that he is a good fit with Burton because Burton is more of a scoring guard, even though he's got more of a, of a point guard body. Imes is kind of a bigger point guard. I think they're a very good combo together. Now, uh, you know how much success you're going to have with a with a new coach and a, a an all freshman backcourt. I'm not sure, but I do think that their two skill sets play off of each other pretty well. Well, the thing that first off, I'm very impressed that Marcus Burton maintained his commitment. I get he, that he's a pen kid, but he, he stayed committed throughout all of that. You know, rather I guess multiple month process that Mike Bray announced that he wasn't going to be coming back and was going to retire. Um, I am curious, though, that Mark, Micah Shrewsbury has not gone out and done anything from a veteran point guard standpoint in the portal. So he might be handing Marcus Burton the ball from day one. Could be the case. Again, you've got a little, you've got a little time there, so to speak. <laughs> you know, knowing, knowing that you're you're young and, and, and building from that point. Before sure. I let you go, obviously, again, I, I said to kind of begin the conversation, everything but the 500. So let me ask you about the 500 as we wrap this up. Your thoughts on the race on Sunday? Well, I thought it was great. I, I mean, just terrific drama and theater late in the race. You know, I did think sitting there and, and I was sitting in turn one with my in-laws. I mean, through the first 90 laps, I thought to myself, this has got to be one of the quicker races of all time. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, we, hadn't, we hadn't gotten to to yellow. And I know it's not the best thing to say from a safety standpoint, but I kind of leaned over to my, to my brother-in-law. I was like, it would be the worst thing in the world to get a yellow or two. And, and certainly once you got into that and just the natural how plans evolve over 500 miles, it's certainly, again, turned into unbelievable drama and I think by all accounts you know you you saw that from a rating standpoint and how people viewed it and specifically late in the race to to witness that you know I I went back and watched the highlights because uh, I didn't want to stay up for the whole replay on on Sunday with having to wake up early for the Monday show and I almost forgot Rake how impressive the new garden pass was on I guess it would have been two restarts before the final one, that was when Pato Ward ended up crashing uh, right in front of Jake there in turn three. Like, Newgarden pulled off a, a wild move to get the outside of Erickson and Pato. 
And so it, it almost was like he does that move to me, looking back on it, that, you know, you could have thrown a red flag potentially after the Pato crash. Or, excuse me, you could have gone yellow there. Sure. Newgarden would have been the winner at that point. It was almost like he kind of deserved it. And, like, yes, we are obviously going to remember the pass in the last lap outside of Erickson in turn three as the pass. But this is a dude that methodically put himself in a position to be in those sorts of, okay, are you going to make the pass? Are you able to? Are you not? But he also had a hell of a run there, you know, a few laps before the last one. That was great. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a really, really terrific race. I understand that I'm the common fan. I'm not the diehard IndyCar fan that says, show me the rule book, why that red flag should be thrown. Um, but I think when you're a sport that is trying to grow like that and you continue to, you know, keep it at the 500 miles and how chaotic the previous crash was, that would have led to all sorts of video replays and trying to sift through, okay, who won it? Who's in second? Who's in third? Who's in fourth? That confusion, I think, would have put a little bit of a black eye on things. So I was totally fine with the decision. And obviously, I think Newgarden, uh, his celebration said it all. You know, I, I think in a way, it's a little Phil Mickelson, you know, winning his first major. You can tell by his emotion. You know what that uh, what that obviously meant to him. Leave it to Kevin Bowen to compare the Indy 500 to the PGA Tour. It's a perfect way to end <laughs> this portion of the program. As always, appreciate the time, my friend. I'll see you Friday at uh, Colts Complex. All right, see you, Rick.